Good morning, church. So glad to see you. Praise God. Do you know Jesus is on the throne? Now the question is, is he on the throne of your heart? He doesn't like the sides. He likes the middle, the throne room of every one of our hearts. And today is a day of freshness. Today's a day of revival in our lives individually. Today is a day where the Holy Spirit breathes on us fresh and new, fresh wind. Praise God. By the way, how many of y'all love Brad? Okay. Uh, how many of y'all really love Brad? Oh, okay. Repeat after me. I love Brad. I really do. Okay. You need to be here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock because he's going to be teaching. Praise God. This Wednesday night. Amen. Amen. So let's, let's break him in real proper like, okay? Hallelujah. It's going to be good. He's going to be talking along the lines of spiritual disciplines, and it'll be a real blessing to you. You know, sometimes, what's a, uh, still waters run deep? Uh-huh. Yep. Well, that's that guy. I remember him when he's just a little bitty thing, you know. Golly, that's last millennium, wasn't it? Uh, Hallelujah. Well, we're, uh, we're looking forward to that. Praise God. Amen. I don't know if I'm going to preach or not. I may just run around the room three or four times. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I love so much the opportunity to be able to listen to so many different people that you can in this day and time. Yeah, I mean, you can turn on YouTube, you can turn on Spotify, you can turn on whatever you kind of apps you have on your phone or your computer or your tablet or whatever you have, spaceship or whatever, and listen to people that would encourage you, and you can listen to people that are full of it. And there's a lot of people that are full of it. You know, and so uh, we only listen to that which comes through the filter of the Holy Spirit, and we're not unaware of the devil's devices. So we need to be aware of things, and we do live in a society that we can influence. And you know, it's we're going to have a an election in another what eight, eight nine days. And some people say, well, Christians ought to be the first to vote. And some of them say Christians shouldn't vote. <laughs> so, you know, we're all somewhere in between those two. But I want to encourage you to do the right thing. You know, uh, Brad and I did a couple of podcasts the other day for, uh, I guess, uh, is that this Saturday and then next Saturday? And uh, I just did it on one-liners, my favorite one-liners. And one of those one-liners is the right thing to do is the right thing to do. That's really deep, isn't it? But, you know, if people stop and think about that, they don't have to make so many decisions in life. Because is, is this the right thing to do? Well, I'll do it. Is this the right thing to do? No, it's not. Well, I'm not going to do it. It's over. I mean, that's, that's it, really. And, and so many times we go, well, I'm just not really sure about this. We'll pray about it. Look at the Word of God. See what the Word of God says. But it, does it, is it right? Does it bear witness with you? 
And, and what would other people that you know and trust and have been mentored by and mentored to, what about their relationship? What would they say? You know, Proverbs says there's safety in the multitude of, of counselors, and you just have to be careful who those counselors are <laughs> because there's a plenty of other stuff out there. So I'm enthused about the time we live in because it's probably the greatest opportunity for people to get saved and come to the knowledge of the truth that it has ever been, without a doubt. And we can be a part of that or we can sit back and go 10 years from now, what happened back then? You know, well, let's be a part of what's happening. It's the move of God. And the move of God is always available for us. All we need to do is kind of just turn the key on and he turns the power on. Amen? So enjoy life. Live in faith. Live in the fruit of the Spirit. Live by the Word of God. And just remember, the right thing to do is the right thing to do. I was listening to a guy the other day on uh, YouTube just so I know what other people are saying. And uh, it was so interesting to me that uh, he was... He knocked in the charismatic movement in, in the Catholic Church, and he didn't have his history very straight on that one. And then he started, he shows a video of a well-known um, Word of Faith pastor, or, or minister, rather, and uh, he's picking out something he said. And I agree with him. I don't think the guy was right on either. But I didn't go to his face and point and put my finger in his eyes, so as a result, I'm not going to say his name or what he said. And then this guy talks about the neo-Pentecostalism, you know, saying it's not even real. He said all they're doing is speaking a bunch of gibberish. And I thought, and we're going to learn today, 1 Corinthians 14, well, one of the types of tongues that's available is the one that we speak mysteries unto God. You're not supposed to understand it. We, we, when we speak in... That kind of tongues, we're speaking by our spirit man, not our head man. And it's really amazing to me because we're going to see a, a word, uh, in some tra most translations it's unlearned. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, it's used several times. And the Greek word there, the Greek word is, I'll probably mispronounce it. Coach Kelly, maybe he won't know this one so he can't correct me like he normally does, but... Uh, anyway, it's almost the same word in English as idiot is. I'm serious. I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you what the Greek word says. It's an idiot. Because it, really, the word we would use correctly is probably ignorant. In other words, <clears throat> not knowing. Okay. But I think the Greek word, I looked at that, I started laughing. I thought, hmm. What did you call yourself, guy? <laughs> Mr. So-and-so, what did you call yourself? You know, if we speak in Greek today, you'd be an idiot. So, <laughs> so you know, and, and there again, I'm not speaking his name out. You know, I'm not calling him out by name and everything. Uh, but, you know, some people are unlearned. Most of us have a little bit of that qualification going on in our lives. And one of the reason that we're here today is that we don't continue in that walk. We pay full attention to the Word of God, and we ask the Holy Spirit to minister it to us, 
to open it up, to unpack it. And oh, it's so rich. It's so rich. Well, I guess that means we need to get into it. Brad, we might need to set some new t- uh, chairs out for uh, Wednesday night. Uh, we're thinking 200, and we don't have 200 chairs in here, but we did put a few more for those of you that might bring more people. Yeah. Pastor friend of mine one time when he was young and starting out, one night he brought in more people that he had just talked to about the Lord than the church had in it. All things are possible. Think 200. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Holy Spirit, part 21. Why don't all Christians speak in tongues? Part two. Are tongues available for today? Well, we found out last week that they sure are. And uh, we're going to go on and find out more things. And we're going to understand some things because a lot of us don't about the fact that there's more than one kind of tongues. And that's what confuses a lot of people because they try to see this and then they say, well, that isn't this. You're right, it's not. You see strawberry ice cream and you see chocolate. Strawberry is supposed to be strawberry and chocolate is supposed to be chocolate. It's not one or the other. I mean, it's, it's whatever you're choosing at that time, whatever you want at that time. You getting hungry, Cammie? Yes. Okay. You, you can go along with President Biden there, get your big ice cream cone carried around with you all day. <laughs> uh, well, First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 in a minute. We're going to get to that. The church at Corinth has always been displayed to me as one of the most spiritually sensitive churches on one hand and one of the most unruly on the other. I think that pretty fair sums it up. But let's look at Corinth a little bit closer in the, the church there. Corinth was, a, was quite a picture of a city collecting a wide variety of people of all backgrounds. It may have contained more of a cosmopolitan flair than a lot of countries did as far as the diversity of the people. The old Greek city had been destroyed at one time and then the, by the Romans, and then the Romans rebuilt it. It stood in a strategic position of a, uh, to, on, the control, on a trade route. So it could actually control trade between a couple of different seas right there. So if you traveled in the time of this writing, which was about 54 A.D., A. D, not C-E. Yes. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And others go, what is he talking about? <laughs> well, we split the calendar by Jesus, yep. not by common man. Yep. Oh, my gosh. I have to throw those in there. I'm sorry about that. But, you know, common era. I guess that's a trans calendar, I guess. I'm not sure. You would find... Greeks and Latins, not Latinos or Latinas, Latins, Syrians, Asiatics, Egyptians, and Jews all rubbing shoulders together in the city of Corinth. 
Thus it uh, presented an obvious place to plant a church because it could reach a lot of uh, different people from different walks of life. On the other hand, it could well be seen as the last place to plant a church. The city was dominated by the temple of Aphrodite, goddess of love. You would find thousands of temple prostitutes there, a large floating population, a rather unsavory reputation of the city, uh, like a lot of places in America today. Hmm, I said it. To say the Corinthians were known for excess and sexual license would be an understatement. The books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians contain some of the most critical writings of Paul. That is true not only for our discussion today, but also for the many of the corrections needed in the early church as well as the church since then. So there's a lot of instruction there. Okay. Now, last week, we talked about one particular type of tongue. Remember, that was in Acts 2, where there were 120 people. So our first tongue is, it is a sign to unbelievers, and they will understand it in their native tongue, okay? That it is to be understood by somebody that you don't know, and you don't know the language, because you're speaking it by the Spirit, okay? Uh, so... That type of tongue is connected to evangelism. Obviously there, Peter took full advantage of that. They went out on the streets and he preached and thousands of people were saved. So let us continue on our journey to find at least four kinds of tongues. Are they applicable for today? Well, 1 Corinthians 12. Now, I love this this, uh, particular chapter because there's a lot of here, there's a lot of misconception, and there's a lot of, um, just just call it fogginess, that people have about this chapter, because they just read it and run right over it. And we need to pause a little bit here and there and pick up some things. I think you'll really enjoy it. Okay, and, and I've shared some of these things a year or so ago when we, we talked about this, but um, then I'm going to go on to some other things that we didn't share a year or so ago on the Holy Spirit message. Okay, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. Okay, if you're reading out of the King James or the New American like we have on the screen, uh, the word gifts is italicized. Is it italicized? No, it's not. Okay, that's okay. Um, It is, when a word is italicized by uh, a word-for-word translation book like the King James, like the New American Standard, or rather than the Thought Translation, that word uh, that is italicized, if you were looking at an NAS uh, or NASU Bible printed today, you'd see it in italics. It means that it was inserted at the, uh, at the choice of the uh, person that's writing it, that is translating it. Okay, so it's, it's a choice of the translator. It's not in the literal word. He's trying to bring a clarification for you. And it's quite common that we talk about this chapter in spiritual gifts, and it's not exactly accurate. And I'm not here to split hairs. I'm here to bring distinction and clarification, okay? So don't go out of here, please, and say, well, spiritual gifts, da, 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 da. No, spiritual gifts are real, and 
spiritual things, which is what this literally says, now concerning spiritual things are spirituals. Because it, it has a lot more than just the nine manifestations of the Spirit that we normally refer to as incorrectly, by the way, as spiritual gifts. At the other side of it, everything we get from God's gift. <laughs> uh-huh. This is uh-huh. That's agreement. Everybody's head work this way, okay? Okay. Okay. Now, concerning spiritual things, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols. Uh, some translations say dumb idols, meaning they can't speak. So they're mute and dumb both. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And that is the difference a lot of times in people talking about Jesus or people knowing Jesus. Verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts. That word gifts is accurate and literally in the in the original, it's the word charis or charisma. It means, it, it literally is gifts. That's a good translation. But the same spirit. Now what I want to say is that that verse, verse 4, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Where do you see a list of gifts? You see it in Romans 12. Charis gifts in Romans 12. It's what we call a lot of times the manifestation gifts. So notice that Holy Spirit, third person of Godhead, says that there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 5, and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. Okay, who's the second person of Godhead? Jesus. Who's Lord? Jesus. Varieties of ministries. This is another list of gifts, Dore gifts in Ephesians 4 what we call the FIFO ministries, those who serve apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay? So we have that, and then verse 6, there are varieties of effects, but the same God, the first person of Godhead, who works all things in all persons. So what we have here is a revealing of the Trinity, and we have a revealing of three different type of spiritual things that are incredibly important for the church. We have what? We have the charis gifts. We have the ministries, uh, fivefold ministries. And we have the effects or the manifestations of the Spirit. Because the next verse says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And here's where a lot of people also get confused. We're going, to get, we're going to read that list in just a minute because it's, it's right here. For the common good, God does the miraculous. He does the manifestations of the Spirit. What happens when the Spirit manifests? Jesus. That's who he manifests. So these are the ministries of Jesus. These are the things that he does. It's by the Spirit, and it's as the Father has caused this effect. Okay? You can't separate the Trinity. Okay, it's not boom, 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 it's Okay, not boom, 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 but Got that? Okay, somebody ask about the Trinity? You say, it's not boom, 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 it's And they'll get it. 
It's okay to have fun in church. Okay. Okay. Now he starts a list here in verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, a manifestation of the Spirit. And to another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Notice it's not wisdom. It's not knowledge. He just doesn't open up your brain and put something in there. This is a particular word for a particular reason at a particular time. And it's normally administered from someone to someone else as the Holy Spirit moves upon the person who initiates it. Verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. This could be called or clarified by saying special kind of faith. I think the example that I gave uh, a while back, is to me it's the biggest one I ever had in my life on special faith. And that's when I'm chasing down a bunch of teenage boys in Galveston, Texas, trying to give them the Word of God. And I lost track of them. They outran me. Actually, they outran my car. They ran, what's that old song? Uh, they ran through the bushes and they ran through their fires and they went to the places where a rabbit wouldn't go. <laughs> That's no charge. <laughs> Johnny Horton. <laughs> but they, they had scattered because, see, they were stealing. They were taking money out of a newspaper rack that, Actually, a newspaper rack is something. It was a rack. It was set up with newspapers in it, and you put coins in it, and then it opened, and you took one out. Okay? That's for all of those of you that are 30 and younger. Okay. <laughs> What's a newspaper? <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like a paper version of the Internet. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, and I saw them, and they're on a parking lot really far from the street. There's a restaurant there. It was closed that day. I think it was probably on Monday. And uh, anyway, so I start driving towards them. And when I did, they went every which way. And I really felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to share with these young men. They're 13, 14, maybe 15. I don't know why they were. They weren't even school. They should have been. But God did something in me, not just to prompt me, but he dropped what I would say is this gift of faith, special kind of faith in me. I knew that I was going to be able to make up with, meet up with them. Now, I didn't have any, I couldn't see any of them. And they'd all gone different directions. It's in Galveston. That's not a huge place, but it's big enough to get lost. And we're out there by the seawall and, you know, I, I, they know it. I don't. Make a long story short, I'll Tell some of you that don't know it, the whole story, because I just love to talk about Jesus, the things he does through people. And uh, so I got out of my car, and I start walking around, and I'm, we're coming around a corner of a building. I'm this way, this way, and we both, there's two boys that were coming to, right there, and I was, met them face to face. When they saw me turn around and start running, I said, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. I'm not going to do anything, no harm, no cops, Okay. And one by one, I had five boys pretty soon. But I knew that was going to happen. I mean, I knew that I knew that I knew you couldn't have talked me out of it no way. And, and that's the special kind of faith. And I've had it in other measures, but I thought that was really the best example. And, you know, what was I trying to do? Evangelize. Okay. And we had, I spent probably six hours with those kids. 
bought them hamburgers and cheeseburgers and french fries, just preached the gospel in a cafe. People coming in and out heard me preaching to them. Gave an opportunity for salvation. Four of the five said, we want Jesus. And then we went driving around a little bit. They want to show me town. I said, okay, well, I'll jump in the car. Let's go. And it got later, and we had to go get pizza. And then I was, I didn't even know Cammie then at that time, but we went and got ice cream. <laughs> and we're at their ice cream store ordering, and the kid that had not been saved came up to me and says, can I talk to you outside? I said, well, yeah. So we go outside, and he says, you know that prayer you prayed with those guys earlier? I said, yeah. He says, would you pray that with me right now? Five, five. So don't ever give up on the person who doesn't pray with you. I'm believing. I don't have contact with those boys. I did uh, give them some literature and things. But uh, I just believe they're still walking with Jesus. That's just the best thing to believe. God ordained that this donkey would go and preach to them and put them on paws. Praise God. God gets all the glory. We get all the fun. That's another one of my one-liners. Okay. To another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing. This is charis, gifts of healing. This is the only one of the nine manifestations of the Spirit that's actually called a gift. By the one Spirit, and to another, the effecting of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and to another, the distinguishing or discerning of spirits, to another, various, various, various kinds of tongues. King James says divers. Somebody thought he was going swimming. That's an old English word for various. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit more about those things. We've just mentioned nine manifestations, and I'd just like to really bring that up. They've often been classified into three different categories by people. One of them is called the revelation group, and that's the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Okay? And then the next group has been called the power group, and that's the special kind of faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healings. And then the third one's called inspiration group, and that's prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Okay? Verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And that covers that whole list. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. So I uh, hope that helps you understand a little bit better. In other words, God's got you covered, and sometimes we don't even realize what he's doing. Those Roman gifts, that's part of your innate abilities, uh, you have some that are more important than others. Some are not very outstanding in you, but, you know, like, for instance, uh, a teacher's pretty obvious. They're the person who dissects or researches the Word of God. And uh, an exhorter somebody who's an encourager, uh, a giver somebody who likes to be a financial uh, uh, giver to the, the body, of or, uh, body of Christ. Uh, all these different things all go together, and we've taught on that before, too, and I'm sure we'll do it again. But now we're, we're working to see about several kinds of tongues. So now we're going to flip forward to the right 
two chapters to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we'll stay there for the rest of this morning. I'm going to stay in the New American Standard updated version. 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love. Have you ever thought about that? Got to pursue it. We're not talking about just those guys and ladies that are looking for a marriage, but you pursue love. Yet desire earnestly spiritual things, not gifts. That's not in the, the Greek. It's spiritual things. But especially that you may prophesy, which happens to be a manifestation of the Spirit. But it's also found in Romans 12. For one who, the prophet's found in Ephesians 4. So it's kind of cross-sectional. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. That's what I was talking about a while ago. If I just speak in, in tongues and it's not to be interpreted, it's not an actual known language. It's a heavenly language. And it's from me to God and God to me. We have a hotline, a red phone to heaven. Okay? And you can use it anytime you want to use it. Okay? Verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands. For no one understands. For no one understands. But in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Okay? So don't try to, and somebody's over here worshiping God and they, they're, they're saying something you don't understand. It's okay. Because they're talking to, to God. And you got on the party line a little bit. You're hearing a little bit of it. Okay? But don't expect that to be interpreted. Because it's a different type of tongue. So what do we see? We see our second kind of tongue, which I would call it in order to speak to God. It's prayer slash worship. Okay? And we're going to support some of these things next week in other parts of the Bible. But it's prayer and our worship. What, what is worship? Well, it could be said it's the highest form of prayer. And I'm not going to say that it's the highest, but it's been said that by people I respect. And maybe it is. Maybe there's other kinds of prayer we had not talked about yet, too. So anyway, um, that's what that's for. And it goes on to say that, and this is very important, that we understand what prophecy is. And the reason that it's so important that we understand prophecy is it's, number one, so important that we understand prophecy, <laughs> New Testament. And secondly, we're going to find out that tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. Okay? So we're not going to understand tongues and interpretation without understanding prophecy. And what, what is prophecy? What makes it up? Y'all still with me? Okay. Verse 3, but one who prophesies speaks to men for three things, edification, exhortation, and consolation or comfort. Okay? It, it edifies, it exhorts, and it comforts. That's what prophecy does. That's what New Testament prophecy does. Now, I'm not talking about the prophet. I'm talking about one who prophesies. 
okay? Philip had daughters that prophesied. So that, that was not making them necessarily prophetesses, but they prophesied. They gave words of exhortation, encouragement, and comfort. That edifies people. That builds them up. That helps them. Okay? Verse 4, one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Okay, so in other words, if you're just praying in tongues, you're getting your battery charged. So that light can shine better. better. You're getting your salt shaker filled. Okay? Remember the little girl, the umbrella, and when it rains, it pours? Okay. okay. Somebody said, what are you talking about? Okay. Morton salt, okay? little illustration there. So, but one who prophesies... Edifies the church, okay? And in the language of the people that are in the church, that builds them up. Now, if it's a tongue that is interpreted, it now becomes prophecy, and that edifies the church, okay? So sometimes you may hear somebody, maybe starting off prayer or something, and they speak in tongues for a little bit. Well, they may go into interpreting that, and they may just be charging their battery so they can do the rest of it. So there's two different kind of tongues here. And we, don't, we can't say this is that and that's this when this is this and that is that. <laughs> I'm not trying to make it complicated. I'm trying to make it simple, really. So part of the issue that a lot of people that don't understand speaking in tongues is that there are several different kinds. And I challenge anybody with any credentials any certificates, any sheepskin, uh, any number of rings to tell and show me in the Bible that any of these have passed away. Period. Just because you may not understand something doesn't mean it's not there. Okay? None of us understand heaven. We know a few little bitty things about it. But if, if all these people that went to heaven and stayed there for a while and came back and told us about it, if they really went to heaven, they'd have some of those stories would be agreeable with each other. <laughs> Ever thought about that? <laughs> well, heaven had this and heaven had that. Now, heaven can have a lot of stuff. But it seemed like to me that they would kind of comply with each other. They, they had a, a vision and they got a little taste maybe. I'm not going to argue the fact. But um, I think it's funny. <laughs> oh, me. Verse 5. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues. That ought to settle a few things. Yes. When the Apostle Paul says, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, he meant, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Okay? And in, back in Acts... Remember, we read last week uh, towards the end of chapter 2 that this gift, the promise of the Father, is for everyone now and to whom as many as the Lord shall call in the future. Well, he calls anybody. He calls everybody, and the ones that respond to it are the ones that are called. Okay? If you don't respond and accept it, then 
You know, you're, you're, you're called, but you're, you ain't it. But even more that you would prophesy. Why? Thank you for that question. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. See how simple this is? We, we don't have to get it all discombobulated in our mind. This is really simple if we'll just slow down a little bit and read the scripture for what's there and comply with what's there. It's a blessing to us. Now, so what we see here is that tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. So since tongues and interpretation equal prophecy, then it would be accurate to say that it is to edify, comfort, and console or uh, edify, exhort, and console or comfort the church. Or for prophesying. So it's that number three right there. So we're on the third type of tongue. The first one was to, to be understood by somebody of a different language. The second one was to speak to God in prayer and worship. The third one is to edify, comfort, or console the church. See how simple that really is? And we, people just read that and they go through it. And well, this, that, you know. No, read the word. Read what it says. And if you don't understand something, pause on it and spend some time in meditation asking the Lord to unwrap it. And he will unwrap it. It is a gift to you. And he will take the ribbon off for you if that's what's necessary and take the paper off of it and show it to you in the open. <laughs> so, hallelujah. Verse 6. But now, brethren... If I come to you speaking in tongues, what will it profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or knowledge or of prophecy and or of teaching? So he's saying that there's different ways to release the understanding of tongues. He may start something out in tongues, but he will finish it up with the, the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge or prophecy, edifying, exhorting and comforting or teaching. Paul was a teacher. He was an apostle with the gift of teaching. Okay? Okay. Verse 7. Yet even lifeless things, either flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or on the harp? For if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? You know, bugle call and charge and all that kind of good stuff. I know they didn't have that in the Navy, Terry. Y'all did play Reveille, though, didn't you? Okay. Just making sure. So also you, unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear... How will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking in the air. There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. Verse 11, if then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be to the one who speaks a barbarian, and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. 
So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual things, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Okay? In other words, he's saying, just don't start mouthing tongues. That doesn't help anybody. Okay? And that's where excess has caused the charismatic things to be misunderstood. Because some charismatics just go around speaking in tongues and they're not saying anything except between them and God, and people are going, what's wrong with them? I've had a little fun with that before. You know, you go to India, and two Americans sitting there, and these guys over here are speaking in Hindi or something. So I just started speaking in tongues. <laughs> I thought I'd give those guys something to think about. But that was all in fun. I, I wasn't obnoxious with it. I just, the other pastor there, he started laughing. But, you know, I just have a little good time on a mission trip. But we need to understand and we need to say and receive that every gift from God is precious. And I don't need to be telling you that just because you got a $5 bill in the mail, that's not good. Because it is. You got $5. Some people think it has to be a 50 or a 100 to get anything. It might be, hey, little kid, you give him a buck? Man, they're... Now, Josiah tried to give him a dollar one time. He said, I don't need it. <laughs> He's got a grandpa that takes care of him. <laughs> but I remember the last little boy I gave a dollar to, man, you thought I gave him a diamond ring. I mean, you know, he was all over it. And praise God. I rejoice when you rejoice. Amen. And I come here speaking in English so that you can understand what I'm saying. But I prayed for you on the way here in tongues <laughs> and other times. So you see, everything has a plan, a purpose. And we don't need to take anything God says lightly. We should chew it and see what God is saying and how he wants us to take care of and steward his precious gifts. Okay, so the people that understand these things have a special blessing. That's the way it is. And people who don't understand it are missing out. That's the way it is. So when I remember I was a very young Christian, I had been spirit-filled for a couple of weeks and I heard a message by Oral Roberts last millennium. Great man of God. And he, he read something we're going to read in just a minute. I will speak in the spirit. I will speak in the understanding. And he says, do you know you can interpret your own tongue? And you can pray in tongues or speak in tongues and then the Holy Spirit will give you the interpretation of it. And I used, I had to drive 45 minutes to go to the church I was going to. It's back in 1984. Maybe 80, well, a little, a little bit of 83 and into 84. But I would drive praying in tongues and so many times I would interpret my own tongue by the grace of the Holy Spirit. 
And that's the first way that I really learned to hear from God was my own tongue and interpretation. Now, I don't reuse that so much anymore. It's, it's different. But I use that a lot then. And there's not anything to say that I'm grown past it. or I'm not trying to imply that. I'm just saying that God, you know, speaks to me differently now for the most part. So however you hear from God is the way you should hear from God. But be open to new things and things that you haven't done. Okay? Verse 13, therefore let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret it. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. It doesn't have anything to do with your head, okay? It's not your mind or your brain. Mind and brain are different things anyway. But it's not that. It's your spirit man. It's the newborn part of you, your spirit, when you were born again, you become a new spirit creation that did not exist before. Continuing verse 14, but my mind is unfruitful. Uh Uh-huh. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. In other words, it is a part of your will. I can start. I can stop. God doesn't take my tongue, pull it out of my my mouth three inches, and start going, it's all, folks. That's not the way it works. It comes from out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, this which he spake about the Spirit, which had not yet been given. Okay, we read that last week in John. It comes from my spirit, man, not from my mind. Okay? Sometimes we get confused and we go, well, I'm not sure if that's me or not. Well, this is a way that will help you. And you may try interpreting it, it may not, but it may also work to you. It may be a Holy Ghost outline. Um, verse 16, otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted, that's what the New American says, that's unlearned in a lot of translations, say the amen of your giving it thanks, since he does not know what you are saying. In other words, you sit down and four of you sit down a meal and somebody blesses the food in tongues, you're going to say amen? You don't know what he said. He may have said, poison them, God, I don't know. You know. God won't do that, but he won't answer that prayer, but the devil might hear it. For you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person's not edified. You see, tongues is about you, but it's about everybody else. It's putting you in a place that you can minister to other people. It's putting you in a place that you're whole. It's putting you in a place that you could, other people count in your life, and you, you can be a help and you're a blessing to them. That's another reason we need fellowship. It's kind of hard to do that without being together other than praying for them, and we can pray in tongues for somebody on the other side of the earth. Verse 13, excuse me, 18. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. He came from Oklahoma. (laughs) Speak in tongues more than you all. Why did he put that in there? Because he spoke in tongues more than 
you all. And he's, he's emphasizing the fact as God's using him, he'll use you too. This may be the way that you need to pick up on to be used in a greater manner. I personally, without the ability to pray in tongues, I would be lost. Because once you've experienced that and the fulfillment of that, and you see the fruit of that, then you're all on the right road. And I can't help the poor guys on YouTube that don't believe that. Get your Bible out and get your paper cutter out and go to work. 19, however, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. What's he trying to do? He wants to edify people. You know, we can't stand there spiritual and say, oh, I know all about that. And he said, he used the word instruct. In other words, Paul's a teacher. That's what he does. Paulo stood the preaching and he did the teaching. Verse 20, brethren, do not be children in your thinking. That's not a put down. That just means immature. Yet in evil be infants. I like that. I think it's pretty good. We need a little less evil in our society. But in your thinking be mature. In the law it's written, and we said that this would be quoted in Acts when we read it in the Old Testament last, last week. By men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers I will speak to this people and even so they will not listen to me. Oh, God knew this all beforehand that some people wouldn't listen to this. Says the Lord. Verse 22. So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers, but prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say you're mad? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he's convicted of all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of the heart are disclosed, and so he will fall on his face, worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. Now, that's, to a lot of people, that's confusing, uh, verses 22, 3, and 4. And here's the answer to reading that. Just read it like it says, and don't try to make more out of it. He's saying that signs, tongues, tongues are a sign to the unbelievers. Okay? Tongues are a sign. A sign. Y'all come. Told you he's from Oklahoma. You know, it's a sign to the unbelievers. Okay? But he says later that if you prophesy, then the unbelievers and unlearned will be convicted. Okay? Well, if you prophesy, it's different than a sign. You're speaking directly to them. And the conviction of the Lord is used in that process. Both of those are true. It's not one against the other as a lot of people try to make it. Okay? Are you all with me? Okay? So just read it like it is. Tongues are assigned to the unbeliever. But prophecy in English, tongues and interpretation are prophecy. They're both prophecy. 
That is for the conviction of people so they'll say, oh my goodness, I'm in trouble with God. I need to get straight. And they're convicted and they fall down on their knees and they go, God, help me, save me. That's what we need to see with people's lives. That's what we want to see. We've all been there that are Christians. And if you're not a Christian on YouTube today and you're watching this or maybe it's from our website, today's the day of salvation for you. Making the decision for Jesus to be the Lord of your life is not only important for this life, but it's vitally important for the next life. The best thing you can do is give your life to Jesus. But don't just pray a little prayer and say, oh, Lord, help me out of this thing. Come to Jesus and say, God, I give up. I give you my all. I give you everything. Please forgive me for my sins. I give you my life. Would you come into my life? Be my Lord. Be my boss. Be my guide. Be my teacher. Lead me, guide me, teach me, train me. However you want to say it out of your heart. Because it has to be heartfelt, heart knowledge. There has to be an acceptance there that we mean it. We're not just trying to get fire insurance so we don't go to hell, which is true. I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. Then I found out how great this life is. Wouldn't change it for anything. Praise God. Finishing up. Verse 26. What is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. See, that's where I say the first the Corinthian church was spiritually sensitive. They came to church ready for some action. Let all things be done for edification. Let them be done for other people. Don't act like a bunch of crazy lunatics. Okay? Let it be done to build people up. Verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three, and each in turn, and one must interpret. But if there's no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church. No speaking in tongues unless it's interpreted. Now, during a worship service or prayer times, you know, you, you can speak in tongues, but keep it down. That's a private time with you, and that's fine. There's no problem with that. If it's to be interpreted, we'll bring it out. And let him speak to himself and to God. When you speak of the Spirit, your mind is hearing it too. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. We're to judge the words of prophecy. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. We're not going there unless God does. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. If you're asked to hold something, hold it. I can't hold it. Yeah, you can. Verse 33, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. See, they had everybody blabbing everything. Just all over the place. As in all the churches of the saints. That's pretty good stuff. We're going to wrap it up next week, and we're going to bring number four into the, the case. Another type of tongue. 
If you missed part one, I would greatly encourage you to go back and listen to the taped message from last week. Holy Spirit number 20, subtitle, Why Don't All Christians Speak in Tongues, part one. And then that'll help you with this week. But I put a lot of things to you today. I mean, a lot. So some of you are going to go back and you're going to get on the internet and you're going to listen to this two or three more times. That's fine. Hit the pause button, get it again, look it up in 42 different translations or however you want to do it. But I want you to have the joy of having a new experience in your life. And to get the fullness of what the Spirit of God is saying and doing. That's what's important. God wills that everyone become saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The Apostle John wrote, I would that your joy be full. And your joy would remain. Those are the things that this life is all about. Because see, our whole goal in these teachings... And sharing times, messages, the whole goal is to bless you, to build you up, to let you get closer with Jesus, to encourage you to get in the Word of God for yourself, and to be able to dig things out and, and compare it with what we share here. I, I'm not, it doesn't intimidate me a bit. If you can prove me wrong on something, prove me wrong on something. Ha ha ha, I try. Oh, every once in a while there comes somebody up that we kind of have a disagreement on, but it's not the, the deal-breaking <laughs> disagreements. Uh, but there are certain things that are definite and obvious, and it's Orthodox Christianity, and it's objective. It was, is, and evermore shall be. Okay? Would you bow with me, please? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for this very day you've given us to glorify you, to praise you, to honor you. We thank you, Lord God, for every opportunity that is at hand in the name of Jesus. And I would just like all of us to, right, right where you're sitting, just to confirm your salvation with an oral agreement to what I say or something similar to it right now say dear God in heaven sorry for my sins I thank you that I'm forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ I thank you for making me a new creation because I've given my life to you Jesus I believe that God raised you from the dead Jesus, I confess you as the Lord or boss of my life. And I receive eternal salvation. And everything in that process that will glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand up with me if you've never been spirit-filled, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit? If you've been, it's been a long time for you, you prayed in tongues 110 years ago, and you'd like to start today fresh and new, whatever you need in your life, we're just going to open it up for time of prayer. We're going to invite you to the front, 
And if you haven't been Spirit-filled, this is your opportunity to be filled with the Spirit. And the subsequence will probably be speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. Just be open about it. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The Spirit of God can be soft, medium, or loud. And we'll just do what he's leading us to do right now. Anybody? Okay, if you're, you're not, that's okay. You can wait for next week if you want to. We have a little book in the back that Dr. Chris Cody, he's, he's one of our close associates and friends. He's been here before. He's got a book about being spirit-filled. If you have any questions, take that book by it. But I promise you, you've already heard the best teaching you're going to hear. I'm, I'm not being, talking about me, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Because he's here today. And he talked to you. And you can say, thank you, Jesus, or you can say, nah. And if you're on YouTube, it works for you too. You know, I got saved over a television ministry. You're on television. There's another hand right there. You're on television, kind of, internet. And I'm just telling you right now that God will meet you right where you are. Lay down the old life. Pick up the new life in Jesus' name. Get plugged into a good Bible-preaching church with wonderful people in it. The best one in America happens to be right here in Oklahoma City. It's called Church of Tomorrow. Hallelujah. (laughs) Come visit us if you're close by. And if not, well, when you're passing through town, or get, dig out a good one. Make a comment. uh, Make any comment if it's available for you. If not, send us an email. Okay? Reverend Hancock, I think it's time for you. Hallelujah. Um, just, take, just take a moment and sit down. Hallelujah. Huh. And in that moment, just let's just be, uh, continue this moment. Let's pray quietly in the Holy Spirit. Just take a moment and pray quietly in the Holy Spirit. Salam. Father, your word says that when we pray in the Spirit, Father, we're encouraging ourselves in the Lord. Our spirits are being strengthened. So we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. I've, I've found myself, in, as I've grown in the Lord, I, I pray in the Spirit more and more and more. Um, it's a lifeline. It's a lifeline. Hallelujah. It is a lifeline. Hallelujah. My mind may not understand, but my spirit comes alive. Hallelujah. And so doing that, it just, it, uh, it brings forth revelation. It brings forth direction. Hallelujah. I wanted to read to you from uh, scripture regarding uh, offering. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. 
And it says, the point is this, Paul talking, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one gives as he has decided in his heart. Did you hear what that said? Each person gives as they have what? Decided in their heart. Not reluctantly, not compulsively. For God loves a cheerful giver. He wants you to have a joy in your heart for giving. Amen. Okay? Not, you know, I have to do this. Okay? It's, it's, it's very simple right here. And God is able. Everyone say, God is able. God is able to make all grace. How much grace? How much is all? Every bit of it. Okay? God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, how much sufficiency? In all things, how many things? At all times, you may abound, that you may be so-so, that you have just enough. No, that you may what? Abound. In every good work. How many good works? Every good work. That's the word. Look at your neighbor and say, that's the word. Is the word true? Does it change? Okay. And so we understand. Okay. God's word tells us. Okay. To, to give. Okay. As you are stirred. Okay. By the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so with that. Okay. When we give our tithes and when we give our offerings. Okay. Let's remember this scripture right here. Amen. And remember how we can give. We can give in person by going to the back. And we've got the envelopes there available. We've got a text messaging. And then we also have online giving. And so uh, just give. Give to the, to the church. That's how we the church. That's how this church functions. Is the, your gifts. And I don't believe that we're demanding. And that we do things that are outside of the word. Okay. And so give. Okay. That what's in your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. And then I want to bring attention uh, also to some things that are taking place uh, upcoming. And, and uh, this Wednesday, we're continuing the series on uh, the life of the Spirit, okay, the spiritual disciplines, okay? And uh, 6.45 for snacks. Mr. Brad right there, he's going to be doing the, the ministry time this uh, next Wednesday. I'm eager to hear what he has to share. And then, um, <laughs> and then 7 o'clock... Seven o'clock is when uh, it all starts. <laughs> so uh, I encourage you, if you've not uh, done a Wednesday night, come. Okay? It's, it's, it really does enrich you. Okay? It, it helps bring forth you know, a greater stability into your life. Okay? And then uh, don't forget that this Saturday before you go to bed, this Saturday before you go to bed, Okay, this is the time of the year when you fall back. That means when you get ready to go to bed, okay, you take your clock or your watch and you go backward one hour. So if you go to bed at 11 o'clock, turn the clock back to 10 o'clock. Don't stay up another hour. I see you went and blew it because we're going to get everybody on time next week. And now he blew it. I want you to get, a lot of us need that extra hour of sleep. 
okay? And so, uh, if you, if that is, of course, if you take advantage of it, okay? And so, uh, just remember that, okay? It's, we're going bye-bye to daylight savings time, okay? And it's now uh, central standard time, okay? And so, uh, we will no longer, after this week, have to wake up and have to go to work, and at 7.30 and 8 o'clock, it's still dark, Okay? It's gonna it's gonna be light at six thirty, okay, and and seven and and so forth. So okay, that's the good thing about Central Standard Time at this time of the year. <laughs> but I hear we're not always gonna have it, so <laughs> it's gonna change and be forever daylight savings time in a couple months or whatever. So let's uh, just uh, let's stand and and we're ready to go. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for your word that has been given. We ask, Father, that your word goes deep into uh, the recesses of our lives, Father, and that it's on fertile soil, that it is gone. And that, Father, that uh, we're going to process this and we're going to meditate upon it and we're going to feast upon it. And it's going to bring change and it's going to bring encouragement to us, Father. It's going to draw us closer to you. We just thank you that uh, we take the principles that have been taught and we begin to put it into practice. And we just thank you and praise you for the results of it, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go in the grace and the greatness of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Love on the people of God.